0: You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys.
1: Hello and welcome back to the OTI podcast. My name's Colin Kelly. As always, bringing you the show here each and every week. On today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Matt Freeman. You can find him on Twitter at article. He is the editor-in-chief at Fantasy Labs. He is the producer for Rotowiz Radio and... Uh, Of course, as well, uh, the Fantasyland pod as well. But uh, Matt, uh, for the listeners there that maybe don't know, Matt is basically my boss over at Rotoviz Radio. So, uh, boss, how's it going? Uh, It's going (laughs) all right, and I'm definitely nobody's boss. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be fun. I've always wanted to get Matt on the show, and uh, eventually we've got around to doing it. So I'm looking forward to running through a lot of topics from uh, week four as we head into week five. Uh, in just a little moment. Starting off the show, I always like to thank everyone for tuning in. You can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the ways ready to listen to podcasts. You can also find us as well on OvertimeIreland.com where you can stream us on there as well. Uh, obviously, I've mentioned in the last couple of weeks as well, a couple of promos we've got going on for OTI and uh, the Amazon banner ads and so on that are up on the website. You can find all those links by just going to the OTI website, which is overtimeireland.com, clicking on the recommended section and uh, following your way through there. I know it's kind of early to talk about it yet, but the holidays are coming up. So if you are buying anything online, check those out and uh, they kick a little bit back here to OTI and as well. For uh, all the listeners, we do have a special discount code for NFL Shop Europe, which is OTI10 at checkout. That saves you 10% off all orders on the website, all orders on their shop. So it's basically uh, all the latest NFL merchandise save 10%, and that is NFLShopEurope.com. So check that out as well. Uh, so, Matt, as we get into the show, we're looking at uh, week four. There was a lot of stuff obviously happened. A lot of a lot of injuries as well, I suppose, and we'll be talking about those as we go into it. I think one of the big talking points coming out of it was uh, Deshaun Watson and his performance again for the Texans. He had a big game two weeks ago against the Patriots, another really, really nice game this week, uh, or this past week, against the Titans. With uh, Deshaun Watson, have you been uh, impressed overall with what he's doing? Do you think he is the real deal at this point, or are you uh, still on the, the wait and see uh, at this point in time?
0: Well, I mean, I, I guess I'm always wait and see if it's only four games, yeah. and especially because the the last two games we saw, although Watson was I mean, he was incredibly impressive. Uh, those did come against the Patriots and the Titans who at this point in the season have the worst <laughs> pass defenses in the league. So, uh, he was, you know, running hot with that streak there, but, uh, I mean, yeah, he looks good. And the thing is he has history to back it up. So it's not as if he's coming out of nowhere and he's had two good games in the NFL. Uh, I mean, he started as a freshman in high school, you know, for all four years, he was the starter there and then went to Clemson. Uh, started games as a freshman there uh, and then you know led them to two championship games. So uh, he's, he's impressive. One of the knocks against him was the arm strength issue. So I, w- I wasn't all that hot on the arm strength angle for why you should be against Deshaun Watson. And the reason why was because we've never seen a guy with his type of draft pedigree and production have an arm that weak. So like we just don't know yet if a guy who looks good by all the other metrics but has a weak arm, if that guy can't succeed in the NFL. So I I'm inclined to say that what we've seen so far is real, uh, but obviously we need more time.
1: Yeah, it's like anything when you have such a small sample size. Uh, I I mentioned I was on the uh, to Underworld podcast with Matt Kelly yesterday, and I talked about uh, you know if this happened in week eleven, week twelve, and he had two big weeks after having a terrible start to the season, we wouldn't be as uh, you know, gung ho on it. He's somebody who coming in, and I wasn't all that sold on. But again, you mentioned that uh, he does have that uh, pass pedigree as well. But the last two weeks, he has uh, pretty much shredded what are probably the two worst uh, pass defences in the league, uh, both averaging over 30 points, uh, given up each and every game. But he did account for uh, five touchdowns, four through the air, and one rushing. Uh, so he pretty much got everyone involved. Lamar Miller, the big game, 131 yards and two touchdowns for him. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins caught 10 passes and 107 yards in a score. And then Will Fuller, back from injury, making his season debut, caught two touchdowns uh, on four targets for 35 yards so I guess when you're looking through it uh, Hopkins is going to continue to be a target monster as the season goes on I did mention last week on the podcast that I thought Will Fuller coming back from his injury could help him because uh, he obviously had been seeing a lot of double coverage with nothing really up op- uh, opposite him to uh, you know try and get the defenses to-, to filter away from him but Lamar Miller somebody who I, I said on last week's podcast if I did own him I'd be trying to move him kind of as quickly as possible with the the role uh, with DeFonte Foreman behind him. What do you expect rest of the season for Miller? Do you think this was an outlier performance? Because we've seen him get the workload, but he just hasn't uh, been able to have big games. And obviously this was a monster one for him.
0: Yeah. And so it's interesting because it's still not as if Lamar Miller um, was all that great in the game. It's just that he was able to get in the end zone and not be quite as inefficient as he had been. I think, you know, I think moving forward, we will still continue to see him get the volume in positive situations. So when they're at home, when they're favored, I think we can count on him getting anywhere from 15 to 22 touches per game. And, you know, just based on how things work, some of those are going to end up turning into touchdowns so i don't think he's a running back one but i think he's a volume fueled running back two who can have some good performances
1: yeah and in this game as well obviously played the titans marcus Mariota saved his fantasy day with his feet he had 39 rushing yards and two touchdowns but uh, he only threw for 36 yards he had two interceptions he was forced from the game Uh, i think it was late second quarter early third quarter with a hamstring injury so He uh, has been limited in practice this week. It doesn't sound like he's doing much in practice, but it was something that when I seen him, you know, you always think of hamstrings that he's going to be out for a a couple of weeks and uh, we'll see if he does suit up this week. It looks at the moment like it is tenting that uh, he will be questionable uh, going into the game. Demarco Murray had seven carries for 31 yards, and uh, Derrick Henry only had seven yards on five carries. So, it really and truly, this game got out of hand quite early on, uh, and it really didn't suit either the the running backs because uh, the game script just really went against them. Another big part of the news this week was Derek Carr uh, playing up in Denver against the Raiders or against the uh, the Broncos rather. He got injured in this game and he has an injury that was made famous last year by Tony Romo with the transverse process. Uh, Obviously with him out, uh, Crabtree's been out uh, the last, well he got injured two weeks ago and he's uh, missed last week's game. But with him out, uh, it's been a a real struggle for Mari Cooper this season so far. It was always going to be a tough game against Denver, but he uh, had another couple of drops. He caught two of eight targets for nine yards on, on the game. Then Marshawn Lynch rushed nine times for 12 yards. So, he, inevitably Lynch is going to have some big games this year but uh, you know if you drafted him uh, you know in the fifth or sixth round of fantasy drafts kind of the range he was going in yeah you really just can't slot him into your lineup at this moment in time but somebody who's going late first early second was uh, Amari Cooper and especially now with at Carby night for a couple of weeks you really can't trust Cooper either can you?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So on the one hand, uh, I agree that probabilistically you can't trust Cooper. On the other hand, I I want Cooper. <laughs> like I, I want to trade for him wherever I can because uh, I think he's close to a generational talent. Uh, one of few guys to start his season, uh, his career off with back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. Um, he's still the second in the NFL with five targets inside the 10-yard line. You know, like he's at the early part of the season, they've given him high value targets and he hasn't converted them. But if they continue to give him those targets at some point, Derek Carr, you know, he will return. Uh, Amari Cooper at some point will drop fewer passes. He will probably still continue to drop passes, just fewer of them. I think at some point things will swing around and start to go right for him. So um, it's a negative situation this week but I would be interested in him for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know long-term, the, there's, there's no doubt about the ability, but I, I do think at the moment it is in his head regarding the drops. There's some of them that aren't really all that uh, tough of uh, catches. I remember one, I think it was week one or week two, where he was inside the five-yard line, and he literally had to catch it and fall into the end zone, but he dropped it uh, when they were really trying to... They, they seem like they're really trying to get him those end zone looks and give him those targets. And again, you hear it a lot when people talk about drops. Uh, the key... To uh, having a drop is that you're getting those targets. So at least he's getting those targets, and he's going to continue to be a target monster in that offense as the season goes on. And uh, as you mentioned, you know if you're in a team, maybe for you're one and three and you're concerned, maybe that's the the people who are kind of trying to move away from him. But if you have a team that has started off three and one, and you can make some sort of an offer to get a Marty Cooper in your team, I think that's something that you definitely should be uh, looking towards. Somebody who uh, I don't think anyone has improved more from their rookie season to their second season. Uh, I don't think in the last couple of years anyway uh, than. Jarrett Goff, Uh, he went into Dallas and uh, put up 35 points on the Cowboys. Uh, He put himself, I think he's pretty much, you have to think of him now as a, you know, certainly in fantasy terms as a, you know, a a startable quarterback on a weekly basis with how he's played over the first four weeks of the season. He threw for uh, 255 yards and a pair of touchdowns. And I've just been really impressed with Goff. How how have you seen his uh, incredible turnaround from last season to this season?
0: Yeah, I mean, it might be like the greatest turnaround of NFL history just because he was so horrible as a rookie. Uh, One thing that is uh, not concerning for him, but – One thing that could limit his fantasy prospects is that the Rams are still a very run heavy team. And maybe part of that has been because uh, they've had positive game script Um, and and Goff has looked good, but they're still not entirely unleashing him. The Rams are the third most run heavy team in the league. Um so I do like Goff his uh, improvement has been I mean it's impressive you know uh he has a good coach Sean McVay who I guess seems capable of uh creating schemes to fit his quarterbacks he did it first with Kirk Cousins in Washington and then now with Jared Goff so uh the future is promising uh and he's definitely a streamable quarterback in spots um, but I think he has a reduced ceiling just because the Rams really seem to want to rely on Todd Gurley.
1: Yeah, and I think it makes sense as well because he is still so young and he had his struggles last year. It makes sense to try and you know keep him limited in what he what you're expecting of him. And- just an incredible job so far by the coaching staff down there. To, the way they've turned things around, they've pretty much revamped the the whole team. If you remember back to last year, Tavon Austin was pretty much the number one wide receiver on that. Not that he was <laughs> right. the number one wide receiver, but the, that was the position he was put in. He got a big contract, and you know, just uh, they've turned the whole uh, the whole team around for kind of the whole roster, and they've uh, made a, a remarkable turnaround in such a short space of time. I've been very impressed with what they've done. And you mentioned Todd Gurley; he is just being a star for the start of the season he rushed again for 121 yards and he led the team in receiving with seven catches for 94 yards and a touchdown so he started off the season just uh, you know if he continues this he's going to be a league winner for a lot of people and uh, Sammy Watkins uh, a little bit of a concern there saw only two targets in this catch and one for 17 yards I think obviously coming off the concussion you could filter that into it a little bit but were you concerned with uh, Sammy's lack of usage in this one?
0: Uh, No, not so much. I think with those wide receivers, again, because they are focusing very much on Gurley and Gurley is actually leading the team in targets, which I mean, that that sounds not highly efficient, but they just really want to have Gurley involved. But because they are focusing more on Gurley and then they are distributing the ball fairly evenly in targets uh, between the top three receivers with Watkins, Woods and then also Cup. Um, it's a situation where Watkins has a reduced ceiling, so I'm not too concerned about this game on its own, but I think it's just representative of the role that he has in that offense. They're not looking for him to be a target monster who produces every week. They're looking for him to be the best receiver on a core that really complements the running game.
1: Yeah, and you'll see as well that we know with Watkins in the past, he has these kind of lower weeks, and then he might have like four catches for 80 yards and two touchdowns next week. So that can happen with him. So we'll see how it goes as the season progresses. Sammy, like we mentioned with Cooper, is still a player that I really want to own on my teams if I can. And you mentioned uh, as well uh, that Todd Gurley is leading the team uh, and and targets well the catch for his uh, touchdown on that little kind of and and cut right that he done on the first one the throw and the time just be, between him and golf just uh, looks like you know they've been working on that for years so uh, whatever just has happened to those two guys over the offseason i don't know maybe they remember when chip kelly came in uh, with the eagles and they were having milkshakes and all to, to try and help the the players as the, <laughs> to recover i don't know what they've given those two guys but it definitely is working anyway uh, moving on to uh, some Patriots news and. Uh, They obviously lost a surprise loss at home to the Panthers this past week. Branton Cooks was uh, shut down once again, caught three passes for 38 yards. And uh, this is pretty much the the way in the life of Cooks after a big week three. (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
0: uh, well, especially it's a situation where Brady, he does like to, I mean, with the exception of Gronk, uh, he likes to spread the ball around. Uh, with those wide receivers so any given week you really don't know who's going to be scoring the touchdowns you know touchdowns will be scored so if you have cooks you do have to continue to start him but you can't count on him as a weekly steady contributor you have to count on him as a guy who is one of your you know sort of explosion guys who could go off and when he doesn't go off you hope he just doesn't ruin your week <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's somebody, I don't actually know if I own him even on baseball rosters and that's somewhere I think that he is of value. I don't think I own him in any league in any format and uh, that's saying something just in my uh, thought. I, I, no doubt that he's a talented player but just week to week uh, he's not somebody that I want to have in my lineups. Uh, Then, playing against that, you mentioned there will be touchdowns scored. There there has been touchdowns scored in New England Patriots games, and there's been a lot scored against them, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, Cam Newton, threw for over 330 yards. He's the fourth consecutive quarterback to do that this year against the Patriots. Remember back to Thursday Night Football, Alex Smith lit them up, and uh, we already mentioned Deshaun Watson earlier in the show. So, uh, Newton had been struggling uh, through the air all season, so really got back on track in this one. Uh, He ...through uh, three touchdowns, he had a rushing one as well. So that was a, a big difference. We also seen him rush the ball in this eight times for 44 yards. Something that we hadn't seen from him. There was a lot of talk in the off-season about protecting him. But this was the first game we seen him kind of be allowed to escape out of the pocket... ...and uh, have some designed runs. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin... Was uh, an uncharacteristically efficient in this one. He caught for four targets uh, that he got in this one for 104 yards. Devin Funches had two touchdowns on a seven for 70 stat line. And then the last uh, player of note here is Christian McCaffrey. He had a quiet day with 49 total yards and 10 touches. Obviously, he had 101 yards and 10 catches the week prior. So. Still a little bit of fluctuation there. I guess uh, my question around the the Panthers is obviously with Cam. Do you expect this to be the kind of trend as the season progresses, or do you expect what we've seen in the first three weeks to be more what we see with him? And then on the terms of uh, Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches, at this point in time, which of the two uh, would you rather own? I would be jumping into the the Funches camp at this point in time.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So with Cam, uh, I mean, obviously, I think we can write uh, off a lot of the week four production to the very tasty matchup he had against the Patriots. But I think it will be some sort of combination of uh, what we saw in the first three weeks and what we saw in week four. Like, I don't think we're going to see peak Cam Newton, but uh, you know, something that's a palatable average of the two uh, in terms of Funches versus Kelvin Benjamin. That's uh, yeah, That that's hard. Uh, I think Funchess is probably the I don't know. It's hard. I think he's probably the more talented player. Uh, I think Kelvin Benjamin is still someone that I'm interested in because I I think more of the market is going to go towards Funchess moving forward. And, uh, you know, if Benjamin has a poor game, it might be easy to acquire him. Through trade Because I think so many people are inclined to be negative about Benjamin already, and they want Funches to be a thing. So even if Funches is better, I think I would prefer to have Benjamin because I think I can get him.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mentioned already the, the podcast that was on with Matt Kelly. And I, I said on it that watching that Patriots game back again last week, uh, Funches went off uh, on the third to last play with, a I think it was an ankle injury he had. He went off and he's on the sideline. He kind of limps back onto the field for the, 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 the second-to-last play of the game where he goes out on a, a pass route. He's barely able to walk onto the field, goes out, first read Cam Newton, makes this to Devon Funch as he throws in the ball. He catches it, sets up that field goal to win the game. So he clearly has the confidence of his quarterback and he is uh you know has been quite efficient with his usage so far this season and he's leading that team as well and targets obviously greg olsen out there and uh, when we we're talking about the patriots maybe this year's patriots defense is last year's uh saints defense we used to think about the, the saints having that fantasy bonanza against them each and every week the patriots so far have uh, looked that way obviously we're recording this on thursday so if you're listening to this on friday and the patriots have shut down the box and uh, are uh, things <laughs> right. around. Uh, yeah, just feel free to ignore that uh, comment. <laughs> so we'll move on. And uh, moving on, and I guess a bit of uh, damaging news this week, uh, particularly around the Minnesota Vikings, is that Dalvin Cook has suffered a torn ACL. It didn't look good. It was non-contact at the time when he went down. He did get contacted after it, but... Uh, fumbled the ball just purely because of the pain he was going through. So uh, it looks like, uh, and I, I should have updated this prior to recording, uh, he's out for the rest of the season. I'd imagine that's the case, Matt. Uh, obviously very unfortunate for him and for the Vikings.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, it's horrible. He was having a fantastic rookie season. If not for Kareem Hunt, everyone would have been talking about how fantastic Dalvin Cook was playing. Uh, and he was really able to uh, kind of fly under the radar but, uh, yeah, it's a situation where there are a lot of touches available now, uh, and there's really no no clear running back to take all of those touches. Uh, Latavius Murray is still dealing with uh, ankle issues from the surgery that he had. Uh, Jarek McKinnon. i bad at football. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not to mention he's not good. Uh, and then you have Jarek McKinnon, who is also really not that good, uh and who also is having uh now at this point uh and I think an ankle uh issue that popped up at the end of last game so who knows who's going to be running for them also who knows who's going to be their their quarterback uh we still don't know about Bradford so it's a really unfortunate situation all the way around especially for those two wide receivers
1: Diggs and Thielen who have been fantastic awesome yeah both have been uh, absolutely uh, immense and Sam Bradford uh, is back at practice this week. He is, though, questionable to play the Bears on Monday night football. So if they can get him back, it'll obviously help uh, the whole situation. But... I just think, I think even if, uh, no matter who the quarterback is, I'm still pretty confident in starting Thielen and Diggs each week. I'm a little bit concerned about Kyle Rudolph and his lack of usage over the first four weeks off this season. And, uh, you know, we kind of mentioned the ACL injury to Dalvin Cook. Uh, we pretty much all know at this point in time that uh, injuries just absolutely suck, no matter what part of the season it happens in. There was an injury the prior week to uh, Matt Forte. He suffered turf toe. And then when we look at the Jets, uh, I I tweeted out prior to the game this week, I was looking through my teams and a... didn't really know what to do and I thought I'm just going to go all in one more time and uh, I put in uh, Belial Powell into I think seven starting lineups just before kickoff and I tweeted out he was my most played player this past week so that one came true it was either a kind of a make or break one he had a 75 yard touchdown which was a very very strange one where he kind of stumbled over his own man fell on the ground the Jags thought that he was down by contact got up and uh, ran all the way to the end zone so that was a strange touchdown but he finished with 190 total yards and a touchdown I don't think this is going to be a case where this is what we expect going forward. Obviously, it was a huge increase in usage. The the Jets hadn't been using them over the first three weeks of the season. So I was delighted to see that usage. But uh, still, long term, uh, I have concerns over how they will use him but uh, I was delighted to see what happened and then the other running back I guess will pull the two of them together Elijah Maguire the rookie Uh, he got into the act with a long touchdown run of his own so a Jaguars defense which had been very stout uh, through the first couple of weeks of the season really did not look good against the New York Jets he finished with 131 yards, and uh, both backs were active in the passing game. The other player of note for the Jets was Austin Safarian Jenkins, playing in the second game following his early season suspension. Uh, looked like a solid contributor again, catching all four targets for 46 yards. I think uh, Safarian Jenkins with the kind of, the tight end position has been a mess. I think you have to think of him as a, a solid streaming option now, do you, Matt?
0: Yeah, uh, a talented guy, and especially because they don't have great wide receivers on the outside. Uh, and McCown does have a history of, uh, you know, peppering his uh, his tight ends with some targets. So, uh, yeah, I don't mind ASJ, especially in uh, in plus matchups. And then thinking about Powell and Elijah McGuire, um, you know, it's a situation where Powell in his his last eight games and a lot of those have been without Matt Forte or uh, without like vintage good Matt Forte. So with shell of himself, Matt Forte, (laughs) uh, Powell has averaged close to 20 touches per game. Uh, And so we don't really know if that's how they intend to use him going forward, but he has been used quite a bit whenever uh, Forte has been out. And that's even with McGuire averaging around nine touches per game in the last three games. So uh, I think, you know, we can probably see something like uh, a 60, 40, 70, 30 split in touches between those guys. I think Powell is still clearly the guy they prefer over McGuire, uh, but both of them looked good. And that's even when you take out the the fluky 75 yard touchdown, even without that, Powell
1: still looked pretty good. Yeah, even without that, he had a, a hundred and. 15 yards so an impressive day and you know if as long as Forte is out Powell's is going to get that usage it's if Forte can uh, get himself back in on the active roster and game days that the concern is there Powell last season finished it strong finished the season before that strong and I just thought this year was the, the kind of the turn of the guard where you would see uh, him go ahead of Matt Forte in the pecking order but to start the season that didn't happen we'll see how it progresses along from this point forward and you mentioned there Uh, You know, Josh McCowan, he was the quarterback, if I believe correctly, uh, when uh, Gary Barnage had his breakout as well for the Cleveland Browns, isn't that correct?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, there is that opportunity for him to try and work over the middle with Austin and Jenkins, who, you know, when he came into the league and he was with the Buccaneers, people, and particularly in fantasy, were really uh, excited about the prospects. He had a couple of very, very nice games for the Bucs, but uh, he's had his off-the-field issues. But seems to have them kind of settled down a little bit now, so we'll see if he can keep that behind him. Uh, Looking at the Bengals, uh, Joe Mixon has kind of Luckily like he was going to take over this backfield and uh, he did do it this week he uh, easily outtouched Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard but unfortunately for him he was only able to rush for 29 yards on 17 carries it doesn't matter if you want to talk about yards per carry it doesn't matter if you want to be bad at match 17 carries for 29 yards is absolutely abysmal
0: <laughs> yeah c- correct yeah uh not much to say about that but I mean the, the good thing <laughs> is that they uh they're still committing it seems like to giving him the ball and to letting him work through the you know the first year slump um and so any guy who's getting the ball around like 20 times per game Uh, I mean, I'm going to be interested in him. So if there are still people who are looking to sell him because of the inefficiency, I would be looking to buy him.
1: Yeah, and uh, Geo had a a long touchdown uh, on a kind of screen pass in this game as well. So he had a nice day overall, but he just isn't getting the usage. uh, Even on third downs, he's not in there all the time, but he is... Still uh, been quite efficient with the opportunities he's getting, but there's no doubt uh, in my opinion Joe Mixon is going to be uh, given every opportunity for the Bengals, and the offensive line is uh, quite quite a lot to blame as well for that their uh, poor output from Mixon and the rest of the Bengals running backs. Uh, the Browns backfield continues to uh, t- trend towards uh, a more. Uh, elaborate role for Duke Johnson he had been used pretty much uh, as a wide receiver in the first couple of weeks of the season but Isaiah Crowell just uh, hasn't produced so far this season and Johnson for the first time this year out snapped Crowell 36 snaps to 22 so those that was a huge turnaround from what we've seen previously Uh, he did lead the team in Crowell really this has led the team in rushing with 20 yards on seven carries so a little bit better than what joe mixon managed but uh, still not good at all uh, johnson totaled 60 yards and a touchdown so i'm a, i i've always been a fan of duke johnson i own him in a lot of my dynasty leagues but again a bit like uh, with bilal powell just the usage has been so uh, up and down over the, the last couple of seasons it's very very hard to trust even in ppr leagues but as the season goes forward do you see him Gaining a little bit more of a, an opportunity on those rushing downs.
0: I mean, it's hard to imagine uh, Crowell being as poor in the future as he has been <laughs> in the in the first month of the season. But uh, Duke Johnson has looked pretty impressive, and you know, remember, in Week One, they used him almost exclusively as the slot wide receiver, and he—I mean—he looked impressive. Like he's a very versatile guy. So uh, regardless of what happens with Crowell, uh, if he gets better at running back, if he doesn't, I think there are still plans to use Duke Johnson. Uh, he was also a really good player in college, too. So uh, he's more versatile. I I think
1: they should probably try to get him a little more involved. Yeah, and he's a player, too, that, you know, you think about him as just being a pass catching back, but he did play between the tackles quite a bit in college, and he has done that at times in the NFL as well. So I'm interested. The only thing, he is a little bit smaller, so his body mightn't hold up to that workload. Uh, a player who... Has had his share of injuries over the past couple of seasons. A player I uh, love watching each and every time he's on the field, and that is Keenan Allen. And he looks to be all the way back following his uh, knee injury last season. Caught five balls for 138 yards. And uh, just... uh just looks like he's doing Keenan Allen things so far. Hunter Henry continued his on-again, off-again uh, kind of pattern. He grabbed two catches uh, for 16 yards. caught a touchdown where he done exceptionally well to get his feet in bounds. And then Terrell Williams has had one of the games kind of we were hoping that he would have uh, in this off-season. Uh, five for 115, and that was obviously boosted by a 75-yard touchdown. Going back to Keenan Allen, uh, you know, is there much more to say other than Keenan Allen is doing Keenan Allen things?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm going to be interested to see how he does in this game against the Giants because – It's a tough matchup. Yeah, a tough matchup. And so when he's on the outside, I think he's going to be covered by Janoris Jenkins. When he's on the inside, he's going to be covered by Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie. Both of them are, you know, kind of in the the top tier of uh, pro football focus graded cornerbacks in terms of coverage. So uh, it will be interesting to see what he's able to do and how much they target him uh, in those matchups. Um, I've been sort of hesitant about Keenan Allen uh, not in terms of his fantasy viability because they target him incessantly but just in terms of talent but if you know maybe he's a really really talented guy and I've just been a little too pessimistic on him so I will be
1: anxious to see how he does in this game I think it's a good litmus test yeah and I'll not argue with you I don't think he's the most talented player in the world but I think what he does he does exceptionally well you know he he catches certain rights he only runs really certain rights and he has the trust of Philip Rivers so I think uh, just with all that combined I think uh, uh, he does those things very well, rather than do a lot of things kind of to a mediocre level. So it's going to be a good test for him. And last week we seen the Giants have some issues early on against the uh, Buccaneers and Mike Evans. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, the weather conditions may have played a part in that down in Tampa Bay. A player who I liked this off-season and has uh, had a, his big his biggest game of the year so far was Charles Clay, caught five of seven targets for 112 yards. Uh, in week four against atlanta clay accounted for almost all of tyrod taylor's passing yards we always know the passing yards uh, accounted for by tyrod taylor can be uh you know very sporadic and usually on the low end uh, for quarterbacks uh, and he has had at least 50 yards or a touchdown in three of four games this season so clay has uh, remained you know in that kind of low tight end one category uh, so far this season and he's somebody coming into the season who was you know the bills were talking about they didn't know how his knee would hold up that has always been an issue for him throughout his career but so far so good uh, for clay and he gets at the Bengals this week so uh, i think he's pretty much a guaranteed starter this week would you agree with that
0: oh yeah i love charles clay and one of the things that's fantastic so just on one in the nfl this year he's leading uh the the bills in in receiving that's it's i mean i know that sometimes happens with tight ends you know like a a travis kelsey type of situation or greg olsen like sometimes it happens and i wouldn't think of clay as being in that caliber of player and it's just like a sign of like how old school throwback this bill's offense is that they are funneling targets primarily to their running back and their tight end but uh one thing i really like about clay is it's just like his uh, like his backstory, like at Tulsa, like University of Tulsa, he was a running back or like you know, like fullback H back type of situation. Uh, and he was their leading receiver as a freshman in in that role. Like it's just it's kind of incredible uh, how, like how versatile he really is. So I like that they're, that they're using him. Like he was such an unlikely guy to have NFL success. Cause he's not like the prototypical build for a tight end. So it's just, it's kind of cool to see him actually have success, but yeah, I think he's
1: fantasy viable basically every week. Yeah. And sometimes the Bills put him in, in that kind of hitchback situation. We've seen it a lot when he was with the dolphins and the Bills. obviously thought that he could uh, have this sort of you know, career in the NFL, uh, what he's done over the last two seasons for them, because they gave him quite a big contract last offseason. But uh, Charles Clay uh, doing some very nice things through four weeks. Uh, reports have indicated that Jordan Matthews needs thumb surgery and is going to be out at least a month. So that's always going to help Charles Clay to uh, continue to lead the team and. Catches. I thought that Matthews was kind of trending towards being a, a nice little, uh, you know, bargain and fantasy if he continued to project the way he was going over the last couple of weeks after joining the team. But obviously, if he's out for a month, that is not going to be good, and he's pretty much going to be droppable in all redraft leagues if he's going to miss those four weeks going forward. Uh, The Bears are going to start Mitchell Trubisky in Week Five against the Vikings. I mentioned already earlier that is on Monday Night Football. Considering how bad Mike Glennon has been, it's uh, you know I was surprised that even in that uh, game last week against the Packers, we didn't see him come into the game. uh, You know around halftime with that long delay, I thought maybe even at that delay (laughs) that they might (laughs) have thought let's change things around. But uh, what do you any uh, upgrade on or any change on what you expect from the Bears now moving forward? I mean, I think he's
0: an upgrade on Glennon, but that's not really saying much. The, I mean, you know, but the thing with, (laughs) yeah, I mean, the thing with Trubisky is that he, uh, you know, he really didn't have much of a college career because he was, you know, redshirted his first year and then on the bench in his second, third years, and then finally played his fourth year, and he looked good. Like, there's no question, he looked good in his uh, his final season. Um, but guys who play only one year, who start only one year in college tend not to have great success in the NFL, but it's a small sample of guys. So, you know, it's questionable as to how much, uh, credence we should give to that. Um, but he looked good in the preseason. Uh, he's mobile, Uh, I don't think he can be any worse than Glennon, and he's probably better. I mean, almost certainly better. So, you know, we'll see. Like, they have to see what they have in him, so they might as well put him out there now.
1: Yeah, no, I pretty much agree with that there. Uh, Going to go rapid fire for a few here. Uh, Doug Martin has completed his four-game suspension to start the season, so he's coming back. So I'd expect him... To, to get straight into a heavy workload with the Bucks after what we've seen through the first couple of weeks of the season. Le'Veon Bell had his kind of breakout day for the season. Uh, he was a, a major factor as a runner and a receiver. He totaled 186 yards from scrimmage and had two touchdowns. So kind of what you drafted him at the top of the, the first round for. Browns coach has been pretty much looking for any way to, to drop Kenny Britt uh, from the starting lineup with uh, <laughs> what he's done this season. And I, I was really high on Kenny Britt this offseason, but he has absolutely sucked so far through the couple, first couple of weeks of the season he's actually uh, injured this week he's been limited in practice we'll see if he even uh, gets a chance to suit up this week but he's pretty much becoming Dwayne Bow the second with what he's done over the last couple of weeks and uh, that is not a good thing uh, Zeke Elliott as well uh, bruised his ribs versus the Rams but he's expected to face the Packers this week on Sunday Night Football uh, outside of those uh, four topics or out of those four topics is there any of those that you want to touch on or will we move on to the next one <laughs>
0: No, just uh, love Doug Martin, love Bell. Uh, glad I didn't draft Kenny Britt nearly as much as <laughs> I wanted to. Uh, and, uh, you know Zeke. Uh, the suspension thing is still looming. Uh, news will be coming out probably within a week as to whether he's suspended or not.
1: Yeah, it's uh, almost gone on as long as the get at this point in time. Um, looking through a couple of the rest of the topics I've down here. Chris Carson was carried off with a left leg injury in week four. Uh, looks like he's out for the rest of the season. Looked very, very nasty. And uh, I haven't actually heard any update on that. I should have looked this one up too, but uh, uh, have you heard anything, Matt? Is he out for the rest of the season? Oh, yeah, he's out. Yeah, didn't look that up. So that there explains that. He's out for the rest of the season. So Eddie Lacey, Thomas Rawls uh, are probably there to uh, cover him for that early down roll. Thomas Rawls was a, a healthy and active in week 4. Then another uh, running back who got injured last week was uh, Ty Montgomery broke some ribs. It looks like he I thought he wouldn't play but they had that little bit of extra time with Thursday night football and it uh, looks like he may be able to play through it this week. I think uh, as a Packers fan I think they, and as a Ty Montgomery owner I think they should set him out this week and go with Aaron Jones and uh, see if he can get that uh, healed up because uh, broken ribs for running back is something that's very easily to target and uh, doesn't make much sense uh, to get them damaged even further. Another player for the Packers that uh, obviously got injured this past week was uh, Devontae Adams, uh, a brutal hit against the Bears, suffered a concussion. uh, One of the the worst hits I've seen in quite a few seasons in the NFL. But it looks like he's going to clear that concussion protocol and play this Sunday, which uh, at the time of the hit, uh, I didn't think would be something that I would be saying. Uh, He had a concussion last year too, came back from it against the Bears, and I think he had 13 receptions in that and two touchdowns. So we've seen him come back from concussions quickly before, but uh, concussions, I always say, you know, the players just need to sometimes uh, think about the, the long-term issues with them. Out of those three injuries, is there any that you want to talk about?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams is still waiting to see. He's still in the concussion protocol. That's yeah, um, nice practice,
1: though. Yeah, has
0: practice, so uh, trending towards playing, but definitely something to observe. Uh, Ty Montgomery, I think as of Thursday, uh, he was not on the field for practice. Uh, practice, yeah,
1: team, yeah. team portion. Yeah.
0: yeah, so it seems as if he's leaning more towards not playing on uh, on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams was a full participant in Wednesday's practice. So it seems as if there could still be even some sort of uh, backfield split between Williams and also between Jones. So that is a little
1: unfortunate because I think there could have been some some good work for one of them if
0: if that guy
1: had been the workhorse. Yeah, and I was looking forward to having some Aaron uh, Jones in the lineup this week. But we'll see what happens. Uh, stay tuned on all this news, obviously, as we head towards Sunday. Some possible waiver wire ads for week five. We mentioned earlier Deshaun Watson, and Jared Goff. Uh, even Andy Dalton and Tyrod Taylor uh, options there. Running backs Latavius Murray and Jared McKinnon, but again it's gonna be uh, probably uh, time split between them. Thomas Rawls, as I mentioned, but he didn't play last week. Aaron uh, Jones, and uh, you know there's Alvin Kamara who I've been very impressed by over the last couple of weeks as well. And the wide receivers, Will Fuller, uh, nice game last week back from injury. Devin Funches, we already talked about him. Cooper Cup and. Uh, Jerron Brown, I guess with Jordan Matthews out, you could add in Zay Jones, but he hasn't really been all that efficient in his rookie season so far. Tight ends, we already mentioned Austin Safarian Jenkins. There's Evan Ingram of the Giants. Cameron Brett, who continues to get all those red zone looks. Down there in Tampa Bay and Ryan Griffin off the Houston Texans. A couple of fun questions to uh, finish things off. I read on the, the show sheet here no Google, so I don't know if Matt has even looked at the show sheet, but we'll see what happens here. <laughs> <laughs> Josh McGowan has won back to back starts for the Jets, and uh, it's back to back starts for or back to back wins for him for the first time since.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, not the Browns. So wasn't he the quarterback for the Cardinals? Uh, like a few years ago, like before that, like, I'm going to say with the Cardinals, I don't know what year that was. That's maybe like 2000 and I don't know. It's 12.
1: No, Matt, uh, not 2012. I actually thought, uh, reading back, I thought you might've been onto something there, but it's actually since 2004. So that's come back quite um, a lot. Man, that's horrible. So uh, let's see if we can get uh, three in a row this week. It'll be interesting to see if that happens. Uh, then, which team has scored more points, uh, or which team has scored the most points through four weeks off the front or off the football season? And this is something uh, in the preseason I would not have put down as my uh, four weeks uh, top scoring team yeah so
0: i know this because i write uh a piece each week that's the Vegas report and you look at <laughs> vegas totals and so so the rams i i believe it's the rams 35 and
1: a half points per game yeah they've scored 13 more points than any other team this season they're averaging uh 30 36 points per game and uh you know that's a 22 point increase on last year's numbers under uh jeff fisher so uh jeff you were doing a, a tremendous job and I, i'm very surprised <laughs> that you got canned last season but uh that's just uh, that's that is an absolutely crazy turnaround. Sean McVay, who I think is he thirty one years old, is uh, yeah, yeah, uh, he's uh, pretty good at uh, coaching football so far for <laughs> for what he's done there. Then the last one is uh, how many points have the Miami Dolphins true three games? Obviously, they did miss uh, week one with the Hurricanes, so they've only played three games this season. Uh, true three games. How many points have they scored?
0: Oh, uh, so they scored six over the last two games. I can't remember what the score was against the Chargers. Uh, I'm going to say they've scored 26 points this oh, year. So
1: close. Uh, they've hit on 25 points. So yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, They've scored six points over the last two games, and that is down to one touchdown that they did uh, manage to score uh, against the Jets in garbage time, and then after scoring the touchdown, missed that extra point. So things have been very bad. But the Dolphins, in fairness, uh, from... Uh, the hurricane week one to that game being rearranged to play in London. There's been a lot going on, so maybe things will turn around for them. But uh, Adam Gase and Jay Cutler have not been uh, connecting like we thought they would in the preseason. So uh, as we start to wrap up now, Matt. Obviously, I mentioned at the start the Fantasy Labs uh work that you've got going on. Do you want to give anything? Obviously, there's big news with Fantasy Labs this week.
0: Oh yeah, so Fantasy Labs uh, wonderfully has been acquired by the Churning Group. Uh, which is forming a sort of conglomerate uh, called the Action Network. And uh, joining the Action Network, uh, in addition to Fantasy Labs, are two other sports betting companies, uh, Sports Action and Sports Insights. Uh, And so basically there's going to be a a lot of the same uh, that you can find Uh, with those different sites, but more of it, more resources, uh, you know, like we're going to be, uh, you know, really ramping up a lot of what, (laughs) yeah, yeah. We're going to be ramping up a lot of, of what we're doing. So, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting to see, uh, and we're working with Chad Millman, who's head of media coming over from ESPN. Um, and so it's, you know, whatever churning group touches, uh, just turns into something fantastic and then uh chad millman uh, you know just an industry veteran who is uh really influential in the uh you know the world of uh sports speculation so it's it's personally exciting uh for me and it's exciting for everyone else with the company
1: yeah and you mentioned even more even more stuff coming out so the, <laughs> there's obviously so much stuff going on at fantasy lab so many great apps so it's uh I can't wait to see what else can come out of it. Obviously, I mentioned as well Rotoviz and Rotoviz Radio at the start. Uh, what can we expect? Uh, give a little plug out there to Rotoviz for the rest of the season. <laughs> uh,
0: well, you know, uh, Rotodoc and Sean Siegel—they do a great job running the site, and uh, you know, I'm just—I'm pleased to have been a part of the Rotoviz Radio channel uh, since it started, and. Uh, yeah i mean i think it's just sort of like more of what's been happening um you know continue to to add shows uh you know to fine-tune our process things like that
1: yeah so it's uh obviously both things fantasy labs and rotoviz make sure you're uh, both following them on twitter and uh, get on over there and subscribe to both fantastic tools and content available at both of those i mentioned at the start of the show you can follow matt on twitter it's matt f the article and uh you can follow me on twitter obviously as well at overtime Ireland. make sure you are following both those accounts and uh Just as I finish up, I'll give another quick plug. Make sure you uh, check out those uh, promotional codes and uh, banner ads at OvertimeIreland.com. That really will help us out. And, of course, I mentioned as well the 10% off at NFL Shop Europe. That is OTI10 at checkout. So with all the plugs done out of the way, with all the show wrapped up, I hope you all enjoy week five. And until I'm back next week, have a good one.
0: Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime
1: Ireland production.